We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That man right there who looks like he can suit up today as a Ravens linebacker is your newest, newest, I should say, defensive coordinator in Baltimore. Zach Orr at 31 is the second youngest coordinator in all the NFL. Sarah, this is an internal promotion, an internal hire made by John Harbaugh at the top and somebody who made a name for himself, certainly in Baltimore as a linebacker and whose career was cut far too short in terms of playing is now going to be Mike McDonald's successor. So it's a new day in Baltimore. It's a new day in Baltimore, and it's a new day with energy and personality, as we just saw there, work ethic, uh, youth, as you're referring, like referencing with with how he looks like he can still play. Bobby, to this, this uh, I would say somewhat surprising, only, I mean, became surprising only yesterday when I started reading reports that he was the head guy, not because he's not uh, a fantastic coach, but just because the Ravens had so many guys to choose from. And that actually makes it even more impressive to know that there was an Anthony Weaver still sitting there and Denard Wilson, who who he did leave, but maybe he left because he knew this was, this was going to happen. Right. Um to know that there were like four guys who had much more coaching experience and to know that the reports out there was that Mike McDonald wanted to bring Zach Gore as his defensive coordinator, which tells you that out of all the guys that were there, he felt like Zach shared the same views in terms of how to attack on defense. Maybe they were they would be because he'd be a head coach. He would need a defensive coordinator run the defense that he likes, right? Mike McDonald. So the fact that the reports were that Mike McDonald wanted him, and then the Ravens took him over three other well qualified candidates, and he's only thirty one. Yeah. It's a it's a Mike McDonald like uh, hire, right? Where it's just shooting up through the coaching ranks. And you can't, it's just, it's just like, you can't let a young, fresh mind like that go. You can't let him out of the building. And that's what the Ravens did. Sarah, much like Mike Mack, Zach climbed the ladder. He did it the right Best. way. 
Did his time. Yeah, I was going to say did his time, but it didn't take that much time at all. Not at all. Jonas Schaefer kind of detailed it in terms of his rise in 2017 and 18. He served as the Ravens player personnel and coaching administrative assistant from 2019 to 20. He was a coaching analyst. Then they shipped him off to Jacksonville for a year to be the outside linebackers coach. And then the last couple of years, he's been the inside linebackers coach, as we've had the privilege of sort of learning about uh, the way that his impact has been made on the locker room and then specifically that inside linebackers room through the eyes and, and words of Roquan Smith. You know, we heard that week in and week out, it feels like this past season. And so now, yeah, here he is, the newest defensive coordinator in Baltimore. It was um, perhaps they, they, they worked pretty quickly. Right. They, they worked very, very quickly. So you get the sense that there were some kin- some contingency plans in place. Here's some of the national reaction pouring in. Zach Orr has been named the Ravens defense coordinator, replacing Mike McDonald. The former Ravens linebacker who retired early from playing due to a neck injury has been serving as the team's inside linebackers coach and has had a fast rise, just 31 years old, and now the D.C. in Baltimore. So they go from McDonald, who was 34 or 35 when he was hired Mm -hmm. as D.C., coming back to Baltimore out of Michigan, who Sharon Moore will be joining us in about four minutes or so. Now they go with a 31-year-old D.C. DC, who's already been in the building, that's good news. Yeah, absolutely. Been there, been with McDonald, knows the system, terminology, obviously has a great relationship with all those players. This is a this is probably really good hire for them. Probably, yeah. That's how we have to feel about everything, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Even continuity. Even people we know getting hired that are like we assume are gonna be we have no idea. No. Some of these coaches might just go and lay an egg completely. Oh, yeah. Some of these coaches might not be able to build a culture. Some of these coaches might get incredibly unlucky when it comes to injuries and the ball bouncing their way, and their entire run is deemed a failure, but they're actually a good ball coach. We have no clue what's going to happen with any of these hirings, and also a lot of them, I have no idea who these guys are. I have no clue. Nope. So yeah. young. I mean, 31 years old as a D.C. I remember Zach Aware as a player. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that he's already a defensive coordinator is awesome. <laughs> and a lot of people remember him as a player. Here's – Part of John Harbaugh's statement, Zach is a homegrown Raven in every way. His energy, intelligence, work ethic, and strong communication skills have been on display since the day he joined our organization as a player in 2014. From making our team as an undrafted rookie to becoming an all-pro linebacker, then later transitioning to an assistant coach who helped mentor multiple Pro Bowl defenders, Zach has excelled at every level of his football journey. He knows our players and understands our standard as well as anyone. I'm confident that he's prepared to take on the challenge of continuing to develop our players and scheme as our next defensive coordinator. You said it a second ago. You heard from Chuck Pagano there as well. The closeness that he had with Mike McDonald should give Ravens fans, and it seems like the live chat is, is kind of getting after this right now, some reason for optimism, right? In a, what other, has otherwise been, I know, a challenging week. <laughs> yeah. Well, first off, McAfee said, and he's, I totally get it, right? Like, he's like, probably going to be good, but we don't know who these guys are. I mean, when you are 31 and you're already like, you know, a, a defensive coordinator, how would they know? But yeah, let me, let me help a little bit here, even though I don't know that Pat's watching our show. Let me help a little bit here because I was at the Ravens when he was an undrafted rookie. I saw all the years that he played. If you we're talking about a meteoric rise in the coaching ranks, well, there was preceding that a meteoric rise in the playing ranks. For him to come in out of oh, North Texas, okay? Not a lot of guys getting drafted out of North Texas. 
Okay, so he gets drafted. He knows he's got an uphill battle. And first starts off in the first year with special teams. Plays great, right? Suddenly, they're like, you know what? We're going to put you more in as, as linebacker. He becomes the weak side linebacker next to C.J. Mosley. And then by the end of his third season, second team All-Pro. Within three years, you go from an undrafted rookie out of North Texas to a All-Pro. Are you kidding me? And so we're all thinking, man, Ravens are set at linebacker with these two guys for a long time. Then out of nowhere, they find, doctors find, that he's got a congenital uh, neck slash spine issue. Not necessarily like, it, it, it didn't come from like football necessarily, but it's what they what they had found. So he retires at the age of 25. Bobby, at 31, with the trajectory he was going, he could still be a Ravens linebacker today. Think about that. I, they I got a bunch of 31-year-olds in house. <laughs> yes, they have Van Oyd, um, Clowney, uh, OBJ. I mean, we can go on and on and on. He could easily still be playing as a Ravens linebacker today, but he has to retire at the age of 25. And he goes out, he he retires and he hates it and he goes and he looks for uh, doctors to see if there's other diagnoses. He finds a doctor that says, yeah, you're okay to play. So he unretires and then has something crazy. I don't know if around 10 visits with NFL teams and nobody, nobody would take them. That's crushing. Especially when you come up, his dad was uh, a tight end, I believe for, uh, the now Washington commanders, his brothers all play many of them coaches all in differing lengths, some in high school, some in college, and obviously Zach in, in the NFL. So it's just heartbreaking, but instead of sulking, instead of like, you know, saying why me, he just takes all of that energy and all of that talent and puts it into coaching. And just like Mike McDonald, you know, he starts out low in the ranks, kind of an assistant, and then an analytics, and then goes to the Jags, as you said, and then he comes back, and then he's got a couple of position things under him. So um, the nobody knows Zach Orr better than the Baltimore Ravens. Nobody knows him better than John Harbaugh. And as much as everybody's upset with John Harbaugh, and I understand that very much because of how terrible that loss was, and he had a big hand in that, we do know that he has put together some master coaching staffs, right? We've seen the hires, and we're going to find out. We don't know until it, it hits. We know that he has a mind in terms of style like McDonald, which is why McDonald wanted him, but we can't. We don't know until we're in this situation. Will he have a feel for play calling? Will he have adjustments, all that kind of stuff? That, won't we, that we won't know until then, but like I said, it speaks volumes that they chose him over so many qualified experienced candidates and remember you know you, you grabbed a couple snippets in our in our doc here from jeff zarebeck's latest yes. courtesy of the athletic and and remember zach's name was being thrown out with not only that mike mcdonald was interested in potentially bringing him with him to seattle to serve as one of his coordinators but the packers were looking at zach Orr as well so there yep. was somewhat of a sense of urgency here, right? Like the Ravens did not want to risk potentially losing who they felt like could be their next guy. And so uh, while while there were, and Jeff told us this, we've already said it a couple times during one of our State of the Ravens during the bye week, he felt like they had four or five candidates under Mike McDonald alone 
to serve as defensive coordinators or if in Anthony Weaver's case, who's not going to end up getting the, the commander's job. They've hired Dan Quinn from Dallas. We'll get to that in just a bit. But Jeff was like, look, they, they got four or five dudes that could be DCs under Mike right now on this current staff. Right. So anyway, what did you learn from Jeff's piece in terms so, of sort of sort of the inner workings behind the behind the scenes? Yeah, so go over to the athletic if uh, to Jeff's Zrebeck to read his whole story. I just grabbed a couple of paragraphs because uh, it seems that he's got some um, reporting from what was going on inside. He also called it a, a relatively surprising development, given that Orr is just three years of position coach experience. Then he says this: the Ravens, though, view the 31-year-old as a rising star and the coaching profession and understood that there was a good chance they'd lose him to another team if they didn't promote him. Okay. It, so kind of just to what you were saying, I mean, it, it reminds me of yep. Steve Smith. Steve Smith was in the building when he was on a free agent visit. He was scheduled to go up to the Patriots. They're like, you are not leaving. Right. And then ended up signing him. So there was that. Then he then Jeff goes on to, to write or is close to McDonald's. And it was widely expected that he was going to follow him to Seattle and become his defensive coordinator. And as you just pointed out, the Green Bay Packers were also interested in or for his defensive coordinator for their defensive coordinator opening. The Ravens, however, did not want to risk losing or and they opted to promote him, eschewing a few other coveted internal candidates. The Ravens knew all along that the 36-year-old McDonald was likely to land a head coaching job after directing a Baltimore defense that became first in the NFL history to lead the league in the fewest points allowed, sacks, and turnovers. They also knew that they had as many as four potential defensive coordinators on staff uh, with (laughs) crazy Anthony Weaver, Denard Denard Wilson, and uh, past game coordinator Chris Hewitt, and then also Orr. Weaver and Wilson were both being wooed for jobs elsewhere, while Hewitt also interviewed for the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive coordinator vacancy. In the end, the Ravens knew they may only be able to keep one or two of the defensive coordinator candidates on staff because the others would be leaving for promotions elsewhere. They decided to go with that. They decided to go with or shows just how excited they are about his coaching future. There you go. Good stuff there from Jeff. There's been a lot going on since it, the off season began. <laughs> gone, you know, and, yeah. and here he is, just in case you're just joining the live stream. Zach Orr is the newest Ravens defensive coordinator. He's 31, making him the second youngest coordinator across the entire NFL. The only guy who's younger is Nick Rallis at 30, who's the Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator. Some questions are coming in through the live chat right now. Okay. We'll try to get to as many as we possibly can. Adit wants to know, is Zach's ceiling as a Ravens coach potentially not stopping at defensive coordinator? It's an interesting question. He is just 31. Yeah, this is the same. Well, first of all, take out the Ravens part. Yeah, with the way he's going, if he continues to have, what, a top, even a top five defense, um, the way that Mike McDonald did, yeah, he's not going to stop at defensive coordinator. That being said, this is obviously... Basically, the same question everybody's been asking about McDonald. You just take McDonald out and put Zach Orr in and say, could Zach Orr then be the uh, next in line behind John Harbaugh? Uh, I think for me, (laughs) let's wait to see how Zach does. I've got a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement. Um, Super excited about that. It took two years for Mike McDonald to, to take the next step. So let's see what happens. But I do know that the feeling out there by many is they want to move on from John Harbaugh. And let's see if Harbs can get over the hump here, right? Let's see if, because clearly 
He's staying. Anyway, he's going to be here. He's yeah. going to be here. Newsflash. Yeah. If anybody thinks that there's a chance that he's not going to be back next year, you can go ahead and throw that out the door. So right. when you have when you have a season review press conference and he's hiring a new defensive coordinator and we're not hearing from Steve Bashotti, the writing's on the wall. Writing's on the wall. Yeah. So he's going to get another shot at it. We've talked at length this week about what needs to happen in order to get over that hump. You know, he's, he finishes the season with the best NFL record league wide, top overall seed, bye week, everything that comes with it. And yeah, he came up short and did so in an inexplicable fashion, right? And that reminds me, we're going to go live as soon as the press conferences finish up tomorrow. It's an 11 a.m. end of season press conference. We'll gather all relevant clips and notes and hop on here and hopefully have some answers for you. I don't know what those answers are going to be, but I do know, though, that the local media is going to do their best uh, to try and get down to the bottom of it because uh, what can you possibly say coming off that? So we'll, we'll, we'll have more on that coming up. More questions are coming in. Lulu wants to know, any chance at all we keep Justin Matabike and Patrick Queen? And the answer to that is that PQ is all but gone. We've all watched what's transpired over the last year, really, dating back to the draft, bringing in Trenton Simpson, declining the fifth-year option. You can go all the way back to over, well over a year ago when Roquan Smith was paid all that boatload of money at the inside linebacker position. Economically, it makes no sense. Unfortunately, because of what he developed into, and that is a an all-pro caliber linebacker. Uh, but you can plan on 2024 probably not having PQ, more than probably not having PQ uh, in the fold. As far as Matabike, Sarah, you know, I think we we kind of view him as a as a potential franchise tag candidate. Yeah, franchise tag or just take another shot because we do know through Adam Schefter's reporting that the Ravens tried to sign Matabike heading into the season. And he decided to bet on himself, and he is going to win handsomely. So if yeah. uh, if I'm at a BK and I didn't sign last year, and I'm just a couple months away from hitting the free agent market, where uh, in the first day or so, money the money thrown around can go bananas. So if I'm at a BK, I want to hit free agency to see what's out there. And if I'm the Ravens, I don't want him to hit free agency. And so, therefore, they're, they're, that's why they have the franchise tool at their disposal. Uh, in, t- in terms of the, the linebacker position, my guess is Trenton Simpson will be the favorite going into training camp for the spot next to Roquan Smith. Love it. That would make sense. And, boy, did he put on some, some decent film uh, in that opportunity he got against the Steelers in the regular season finale. That was, that was a lot of fun. Heard a lot about him from Clemson, and, and he showed off. He showed off in that game, even though it was it was sparingly throughout the season, right? That he got opportunities outside of special teams, which you would expect when you have a All Pro caliber linebacker room with PQ and Roquan. What other questions do we have coming in here? Let's see. A lot of people still commenting on Harbaugh. I think it's starting to come yeah. to terms. It's starting to starting to set in that he is not going anywhere. Well, as you, uh, Chad as Taylor, you, how about this? Okay, go ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chad Taylor wants to know it's off topic, but who is running back one next year? Ooh, boy. Yeah. Well, right now, right as of right now, Keaton Mitchell is the only person scheduled to be on the roster. Uh, I believe Gus Edwards is a free agent. I should look this up. And J.K. Dobbins, uh, Gus Edwards here. So let's look that up. Um, but that being said, even with Keaton Mitchell, I would love to see the Ravens dip into the draft for more uh, running backs. Um, We we have said time and time again that you you can never have enough corners and it's sure starting to feel that way at running back with how many injuries the Ravens have been having year after year after year. And yes, Gus Edwards is scheduled to be a free agent. And we know that JK Dobbins uh, rookie contract is going to be up. So, um, so yeah, I would say Keaton Mitchell, as long as he's healthy, would be slated. But knowing he's coming off a late season ACL, right? It was the ACL, definitely in the knee. Um, Achilles. Oh, it was Achilles. Okay, well, you're talking about J.K. or Keaton? No, Keaton. I'm sorry, Ke- Ke- J.K. was Achilles. Yeah. Keaton was ACL. It was a knee. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, because it was late in the season. Uh, Ravens have a lot of running, a lot of work to do at the running back position. No doubt. And I want you wonder if they address that in the draft. And, and by the way, if you want to know if I, ex- if we, if we expect JK or Gus to be back, if I were JK, I would want a fresh start somewhere else. It's just, he's had so much talent and there's been so many injuries. If I were him, I would want a fresh start. Uh, in terms of Gus, this is the unfortunate part of being a running back. He turns 29, and often by the time you're 29 uh, at the running back position, teams often view you as already kind of like nearing the end, right? So um, I don't know that I have a lot of faith that they would re-sign Gus, maybe for a one- or two-year deal. Um, but if they do, I'd like to see them use him in the playoffs. Bobby? I would, I would, <laughs> I think <laughs> a lot of people feel very similarly to you. Uh, six combined carries between Justice and Gus for 23 yards is probably not going to win you a football game when that's your DNA. Would not be surprised to see them retool at some point in the draft come April at running back. And to think that the, the running back room will look the same that it does this year, next fall, to me, seems a little far fetched given a lot of what you just said. Uh, yeah. Big decisions loom with J.K. 
Big decisions loom with Gus with how many NFL miles he has on his tires. I think we can guarantee that Keaton Mitchell is going to be there pending a full recovery, which will be exciting to see him in an offense that's uh, that has him from the jump and hopefully with, with as much of a training camp as he'll be ready for coming off that rehab. Uh, but other than that, uh, boy, it's, yeah, it's a good question, Chad. I mean, it's, it's off topic, but that's certainly something yeah. that we're going to be discussing a lot as we entered up at the draft. You seen any other questions you want to hit? Um, I'm just seeing one? people. Here we go. Any chance we trade Ronnie Stanley? <laughs> Ooh, boy. This... Yeah, I doubt. I doubt that. This is yeah. this is this is one that I'm going to put in the Harbaugh category, meaning that fans are or a certain percentage of fans are fed up. But the gulf between how the fans feel about Harbaugh versus what I am guessing Bashadi feels about Harbaugh, I think there's a massive gulf between those two. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and I'm not saying any, any that the fans are wrong in how they're feeling. I'm just saying that I think there's a gulf, and I think there's a there's a gulf probably in terms, maybe not as big of a gulf, but um, with Ronnie, I know a lot of people are fed up, but when you look at the economics of it and what you would be losing in terms of dead money, I can look them up as I'm, as I'm talking about it, but, um, there's, there's no, and here's, here's, what's funny. Here's, what's funny. Yeah. What's that movie that I don't know if it's a movie quote or whatever. I see the meme all the time where it's like, don't give me hope, right? Just don't, just don't even do it just to rip hope back away. Uh, what's funny is Ronnie after that, three week basically rest um he started to play better notwithstanding that sack strip given up that was terrible but i'm just saying he gave hope again right by the way he was playing after he was healthy and it's like oh there's the there's the ronnie we all know the the all the all pro that's in there um but that being said because there would be dead money this is if you trade him or cut him the dead money is 17.8 million yeah, it's not happening. It's, just, it's not happening. He's so, going to be here next year, and they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to draft a tackle, I'm sure, at least at least a tackle in the draft. You've got guys behind him. They're going to be looking to, to to try and take their next steps in their careers as well, like the Daniel Falele's of the world, right? Yeah. Andrew Voorhees, some people are, are asking about him. He's going to handle guard duties. Right? He could, he could well, potentially be, one of the be options. A, that'll, that'll be a competition for sure. Right, right, and, yeah, right. Yes. He could be he could be left guard. Hopefully they they give Kevin Zeitler a chance to come back because he's just fortified that position at right guard so well since Marshall Yonda came back, but that's another pending free agent. So 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 here's what's more palatable from a of a um not only from a salary cap standpoint, but also just wanting to make sure you have the next guy in line. If you really wanted to cut Stanley, after this next season would be much more palatable because the dead money would be 6.6 and if you want to do a post June post June cut then you could probably cut that in half and spread it out over the two years but here's what's here's what I think is most likely going to happen you stick with Stanley again you hope that he's healthy but you also go to the draft which my understanding is that tackle is a deep position it's a strong position in this draft and you try to go find your left tackle of the future and yeah. let him get a year under him and feel good about the next guy coming in. And then after that, you can start talking about moving on from Ronnie Stanley if you Love want it. to do so in a year. Love it. Makes a lot of sense to me. By the way, we have zero answers for this question, Ace. We've we've tried to get down to the bottom of it. We've we've really worked hard at it, but we have not found an answer yet. And for the audio only folks, Ace wants to know, didn't listen to your guys' most recent podcast yet. 
but why did we run only six times? So just to make sure we're saying this correctly, the Ravens ran more than six times. The Ravens running backs. 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 Right. The Ravens run. Now, this doesn't make it much better just for the sake of accuracy. Okay. This is not like defending them because this is my number one question. But listen, I put it on Twitter and I have a feeling we're going to talk about this morning, our next morning vault. I put it on Twitter. Tell me what you guys want John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta to be asked at, at the press conference. Obviously, neither of us are going to be there, but I'm just curious what it is. This is by far the number one response I'm getting. Like, what the heck? What are we doing when the game was never out of reach? And um, my my theory is that they kind of got spooked. They kind of panicked, and they're not going to say that up there. But that's, But we'll see. We'll see what they say. My question would be, if, if I were to get an invite, my question would be, how come consistently you guys have not had a counterpunch that's in your arsenal as an offense systematically the way that you respond to getting punched in the mouth first when you aren't the ones who establish dominance in the trenches first, when you aren't the ones who establish dominance with a running game and then the pass game is, is developed off of that. How come you haven't consistently been able to counterpunch? That would be my, and I would love to know. I, I would love to know what, where they take that. I don't think anything concrete would come from that question. I think you get kicked out with that question. You think so? <laughs> not, not like literally, but I think that they would like not love that question. Cause it's like, Oh, who are you to say that we don't punch back? And then they would name all the times that they do punch back. You know, I would have to form. I would have to formulate have to form it in, it in a different a better, way. Yes, that's what people don't understand is you got to form these in a way. And like, like I got a question yesterday on Twitter that it was like, "How come the media don't hold him accountable?" And I'm like, "Well, how do you want them to hold hold him accountable?" Meaning in the press conference. And there, then he's like, "Well, just say that's an unacceptable answer." And it's like, but that's not what that forum is. The forum is we ask questions, you give answers. This isn't a the, state, the the media gets to stand on their their um, soapbox. That's what they get to do on their own platforms. So you can push back if he gives an answer that's just like that feels silly and bogus. You can push back and ask another question on topic two or three times. But like it's it's got to be airtight, or yes. else they can make a reporter look silly. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because it's like like if you go, how can you consistently don't punch back? And they'll be like, well, what about this game? Well, what about that yep. game? Da 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 da. And like. Yep. You know what I mean? And so it's just like Absolutely. we see trends, but how you phrase that to get a substantive answer, that's harder than most people realize. For sure. There are yeah. many dynamics in a in an auditorium or an outside area where there's a there's a there's press. There's yeah. a lot that you have to do right. And so to clarify, if I were to ask that question, yeah. I would have to come in with concrete statistics that back up that trend. Right. From this past game on Sunday, from the 2019 divisional round against the Titans, from mm -hmm. other times where they have been punched in the mouth, and we feel that they've panicked. We need yeah. numbers. We need something concrete behind that that would be able to ask that question and hopefully get somewhat of a, um, a compelling response in return. Yeah, because some fans just want to know, like, so what's up? Did you panic? Like, there's no way a reporter ask can ask that. Like, Cannot ask that. Can't nope. do it. And, nope. and and, it's, but I love what you're saying too, right? Yeah. Because because it's easy to pick on the reporters. It's easy to pick yeah. on those who are doing the dirty work. And by the way, we couldn't do what we do effectively as we try to, be, to do it without the beat reporters that are out there. Right. It's important to note that. 100. But when you're in those moments – 
you have to be incredibly buttoned up. You're on a you're on a um you're on a time limit typically, right? These things are happening quickly. You're also going up against your peers in the media to try and get in a question to right. begin with. You might you, you probably towards- get one, maybe two. Jeff yep. the Jeff's Rebix of the world will get two. Yep. But not much more than that. You like you gotta like have your one ready and it's gotta be good. But I'm so glad that yeah. you brought that up because how often do we see oh they're not holding them accountable? They're not doing yeah. this, they're not doing that. They are trying their damn best. And and there is you do have to play the game a little bit as well. You know, if you want access into that building and you want to maintain relationships, the game has to be played sometimes. So anyway. All right. Some more questions I think have come in here, but <laughs> live chat's getting out. Yeah, Venchi says punchback is too vague. Oh, he yeah. wants to take it another step. The punchback is too vague. The OC was out coached. He called plays, and the defense had it covered. Yeah, well, I I'm, I was going to bring this up in the morning vault, and I, we still can because I want you to hear the the um, the audio of it. But I quoted Travis Kelsey, who is persona non grata in Baltimore right now. Everybody hates him. But I, I put out this quote that I think the point of the quote went over a lot of people's heads because um, I went back and I watched their full show. There was actually a lot of good stuff in there. I actually, I pulled like three things from it um, that was not like trash talking and this and that. It was just really insightful as to like the Chiefs point of view in that game. So the context of what was going on is obviously he's on there with his brother and his brother was like, well, how'd you guys do this to the, to the number one rushing attack? Like everybody was asking, can the chiefs really stop this rushing attack with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards and this and that when the chiefs have the 27th ranked rush defense. And so he said, right, well, that was our goal coming in. It was to score touchdowns and score touchdowns early to make them feel a little bit antsy. And then by making them feel antsy, then that would force them to start throwing to their wide receivers against RDBs. So a lot of people replied, because I, so I quoted that, and a lot of people like, they were like either like making fun of him for saying, oh, really? Your touchdowns was your strategy? Like, oh, why didn't we think of that? You know, or some people would be like, but you didn't score a lot of touchdowns. You had 17 points. And while they those two point. things are true, you're, yeah, yeah, you're missing the point. The point is, is they scored touchdowns on back-to-back drives in the first quarter. Yep. And so where is their strength? Their secondary where they have all pros. Yep. So, of course, what they want to do is put pressure on where they say, we know we can't keep up with your run offense. We, we already know that. So the best strategy we can have is to put pressure on you via our offense. So what Kelsey was saying is our offense was our defense in the first quarter. And by putting up 14 early, it put pressure on the Ravens when they went three and out that first drive. And then what happened the second drive? I can't remember. Um, I think that was when when Lamar scored. One of them, yeah, Lamar hit that hit Zay Flowers deep. And so, but the point is, is he's exactly that exactly that strategy the Ravens fell into. It was like, we don't want to have to defend you on the ground. So we want to defend you in the air because that's where our strength of the defense is with yeah. our pass rushers and our DBs. And the Ravens fell right into that, even though the game was never really out of reach and they could have yeah. ran the whole time. That's revealing. Yeah. I-, I watched a good chunk of that as well. Jason and Travis, look, as much as Travis has, has certainly ruffled the feathers this week and uh, spoken out on Justin and had some all kinds of profanity for him and, and blah, blah, blah. They, they are 
one hell of a show together, those two. I mean, yeah, they they I, speak I, of the game. I had a blast watching them, to be honest. The way that Jason, I thought, set Travis up to speak about um, nuances of the game was really, really insightful. One in particular that comes to mind is the play that he scored a touchdown on the back yes, shoulder that's throw. that's the clip I pulled, yes. Okay, so we'll get into that tomorrow morning. But essentially, we all remember it was only the second touchdown that Kyle Hamilton had allowed in coverage all year long, and it came on a ridiculous play. He was blanketed all over mm-hmm. Travis, and right Travis up until the last that. second. Travis and was Travis like, he said was it. All he was in perfect position. Yep. Yeah. And while there was a bunch of in-game back and forth between those two, Kyle and Travis, uh, Travis went up to him post-game, gave him a bunch of love and respect, said he's going to be in the league for a long time, and doubled down on that. During the episode. So as much as he has been, in my estimation, a little bit much talking about the Justin Tucker stuff, he yeah. has given his respect to to the Ravens and specifically in this case to Kyle Hamilton. But remember, Mahomes puts it only where Travis can get it on the back shoulder corner of the end zone there on that fade. Right. right. And and Kyle is all over Travis yeah. the entire route all the way to the last second. Mahomes literally puts it to the nth degree. Travis said he didn't look until he didn't even it see was four it or five like feet from him. the very last second, yes. Four or five feet from him. Happens to just have the, the sticky hand to grab that. What more can you do, Kyle? That is that is an, that is a Hall of Famer and maybe yep. a future Hall of Famer going after each other. So um, tremendous matchup there. Unfortunately, that was, uh, in, in a way, that, 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 that hurt, right? Because it was another early touchdown mm-hmm. that led to, uh, led to the Ravens panicking in a bit. Yep, 1,000%. All right. All right. I think that ought to do it, right? I think so. We got a bunch of live chats, but we do have um, – we're going to do the same thing we did yesterday, just so everybody knows. Remember, yesterday was our, our instant reaction to Mike McDonald's departure yep. and then, obviously, his hiring by the Seattle Seahawks. And then this morning's vault was on everything else happening this week including the the OBJ and Lamar sideline exchange that Lamar clarified on. So that was this morning's. Go check that out if you haven't already done so. And we have a boatload of content to discuss for tomorrow morning, the Friday morning vault, which will be available as it always is at 5 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. And then tomorrow will be a dual episode again because the end of season press conference kicks off at 11 with Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, Zach Orr's introductory presser will be next week. So can't wait to get creative with that with you. We're going to both be in Vegas unless it happens on Monday. Um, and probably at some point in the noon, noon lunch hour tomorrow is when we'll go live and we'll instantly react to what we watch unfold at the end of season presser. So, yeah. Well, and I just want to reiterate, um, excited about Zach or, uh, that's that dude is next level. He is special. And you can see that by the way, he keeps rising up the ranks did as a player now as a coach, I, and it's always fun, Bobby. It's always fun. People were trying to p- pile on. I remember fa- I saw some fans on Twitter yesterday trying to pile on when McDonald left. And then there were talks about, you know, our our other defensive assistants interviewing any er, elsewhere. And uh, opposing teams always want to pile on and be like, oh, nobody wants to be in Baltimore. Nah, this guy, <laughs> this guy was highly sought after to the point that McDonald wanted him. And he interviewed, did you say the Packers? Yep. And he was a highly sought after man, and so were some of the other guys. He could have been out the door, and they're just it just feels good to get the guy, to keep the guy that everybody else wanted. So uh, you know Roquan Smith's happy today. You know Roquan oh, Smith yeah. is happy. And we're going to catch up with them down at the Super Bowl, and that will be one of our first questions. Yeah. So 
very, sure. very happy about this hire. Yeah, we're hoping to catch up with him next week. So that'll be fun. Like, like you said, we're going to be in Vegas next week. Really looking forward to doing our first ever Super Bowl Radio Row experience. And uh, Eddie just wants to know what's the podcast name. If you guys aren't familiar with what we do yet, just in case, they, they could be on my channel too, so that they're not aware of The Vault. But The Vault is our daily Ravens show, Monday through Friday episodes. It, we're on YouTube. Obviously, we're streaming right now. And then it, it's repurposed for the audio-only spaces, Spotify, Google Play, Apple. So go check that out if you haven't already done so. All right. So again, Friday morning's vault. Next time you hear from us. And then a few hours later, we'll instantly react to the end of season press conference in Baltimore. Appreciate you guys for dropping by. Congratulations to Zach Orr, who's been named the newest defensive coordinator in Baltimore and will immediately succeed Mike McDonald, who's now the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Later, guys. (laughs) 